And thanks for tuning in to another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy as we wrap up round one of the Friends Talking Nerdy Greatest Movie Ever Championship Tournament in Division 4. Our matchups today, we're going to have Sterling with his choice of the Avengers facing off against him with his choice of Planet of the Apes. We have Noel with his choice of The Color of Money facing off against Mora with her choice of Galaxy Quest. We have Sterling with his choice of American History X facing off against him with his choice of Ghostbusters. We have Noel with his choice of MASH going off against Mora with her choice of Working Girl. We have Sterling with his choice of GoldenEye facing off against him with his choice of Blazing Saddles. We have Noel with his choice of Goodfellas facing off against Mora with her choice of Flash Gordon. We have Sterling with his choice of Higher Learning versus Tim with his choice of Enter the Dragon. And finally, to wrap up round one, we have Noel with Where Eagles Dare versus Mora with her choice of Hot Fuzz. Now, before we begin this week's proceedings, the chief official of the Friends Talking Nerdy Greatest Movie Ever Championship Tournament, our co-host Ray, is heading up to the microphone and wishes to say something to our audience. Here is Ray. What did I tell you guys? I told you guys to shut up. Don't say I didn't warn you, folks. I suggest you do what they say. All right. Thank you. All right, so now we head to our first matchup. Once again, that's Sterling with his choice of the Avengers. Facing off against Tim with his choice of Planet of the Apes. Sterling is heading up to the podium. Let's hear what he has to say about the Avengers. Okay. 2008 Sterling going in to see Iron Man for the first time. And I would say one of the first and best (laughs) superhero movies not even looking at Spider-Man's direction, leading up to four years later when you have the Avengers team coming together to fight an entire alien invasion. It just fucking epic. It just epic, concluded, wrapped in epic with Samuel L. Jackson with the fucking iPad. This was almost unthinkable having a superhero team come together in general. And then you have one of the best written, directed, and just cohesive superhero movies of all time. You have not only like Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Hulk, uh, Black Widow, Hawkeye. They all get their like appropriate amount of like screen time, their appropriate amount of just badassery running around. And then you even get a little bit of heart, a little bit of hope, and a shit ton of awesome action. One of the best moments in the film, you just see the Hulk headbutt a giant fucking space alien lizard to just shut down the whole fucking armada of, like, aliens invading. The green screen, the effects, the dialogue just is uncomparable when it comes to a different superhero movie. And then, not only that, it's going to be culminating into the Infinity War that we're going to be seeing soon. Almost 20 years of film coming together in just one epic conclusion. It was just fucking insane. I'm good. Alright, Sterling wraps up his arguments on the Avengers. We move next to Tim, who's heading up to the podium to discuss Planet of the Apes. Let's hear what he has to say. 
The Avengers is a shitty movie. <laughs> it's let, let's be honest here. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I also recognize it was a pretty shitty movie. Um, one, um, let's talk about that ending. Um, in ending where Iron Man takes a nuclear bomb, puts it through a big space hole, and then all of a sudden that stops all the bad guys all at once. That's called Deus Ex Machina. That's just convenience for the storyline purposes. It's garbage. Um, Planet of the Apes, the original, if that was the first movie that really opened the door to movies like The Avengers. If it weren't for Planet of the Apes being as successful as it was, we wouldn't have Star Wars. We wouldn't have uh, Star Trek coming back. And, and at the end of the day, we would not have Star Wars because it introduced the whole idea of escapist film but most importantly when you have a writer of the caliber of Rod Serling writing it you're going to have a very powerful moment such as the end of the film when Charlton Heston realizes that he's been on earth all along and you know you blew it up damn you damn you um Charlton Heston as an actor in the movie um you know get your stinking paws off me you damn dirty AP <laughs> is perfect for a role like that. He's not somebody you would want to see playing Hamlet for, but for that type of broad-chested, uh, broad-chested hero type of uh, person, he was absolutely perfect for that role. Um, and the Avengers, going back to that, it's good in the overall scheme of things, and to correct you, it's not a culmination of 20 years of filmmaking, it's a culmination of 10. So... Let me see the Florida School uh, uh, Education Department at work. Um, anyway. School in California. <laughs> exactly. See? But you, yeah, well, you said different in previous podcasts. So pronunciation of Deus Ex Machina? I know. I was like, that was probably why you couldn't pronounce the French film. Wait, were you done? I'm done. All right. Sterling lays in some last-minute shots at Tim. Will that be enough to convince the judges? Let's find out. They are sending the results my way. And the winner, advancing to round number two, is Tim with his choice of Planet of the Apes. We move on to our next matchup. That is Noel with the color of money facing off against Mora with her choice of Galaxy Quest. Wow, Galaxy Quest. Yeah, that's a, definitely a good film. But uh, so, no documentary color of money. Mark Scorsese film. Paul Newman and uh, Tom Cruise. Probably a great Tom Cruise movie. Uh, uh, Paul Newman is be as replaying his character Fessy Felson from the original movie, which is The Hustler, the one to catch. So uh, Eddie's kind of out of it. Meets up with Tom Cruise character Vincent, and they just start this interesting relationship about pool. Great film. John Turturro's in the movie. Elis uh, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio plays Vincent's girlfriend. Great performance as well. It's one of those movies that's um, <coughs> excuse me that really. Um, that, that where it's, a, it's an actor's film. You have these three really good actors, Paul Newman, Tom Cruise, you know, Mary Elizabeth Macatonio, kind of play together and really move the story along. You have uh, uh, Paul Newman's character realizing that he's out of the game and Vincent is just that good where, you know, he, he kind of misses what it was before. If you get a chance to, The Hustlers, the original film, great film with Paul Newman, Minnesota Fats, played by Jackie Gleason, kind of sets the story up. But for me... This is probably like my favorite Scorsese movie, and I say that blasphemous even though there are other films that Scorsese's done, but for me personally, it's probably my favorite Scorsese movie out there. Um, moves nice, uh, Richard Price wrote the screenplay, Michael Bauhaus, who is a longtime contributor of Scorsese, um, was DP of the movie, is one of those films that I, that's kind of, you know, you put on, it really plays 
well. Um, I, I was more surprised by the uh, uh, Forrest Whitaker, who has a little short little uh, um, stint movie. He kind of steals it in the, with that scene with the scene he's in. Really cool, really nice. But the film really talks about Ten seconds. you know what you've done before to now. It, it's one of those films that's a, it's kind of sit down and watch. It's a great film. Call of Money, classic film. That's one. And Noel wraps up his arguments of the color of money. Mora is heading up to the podium right now to defend Galaxy Quest. Let's hear what she has to say. All right, so real quick, color of money, um, not my favorite Tom Cruise movie, but I can definitely see the appeal, so um, I get it. But as far as Galaxy Quest, if you are a Trekkie fan, or even if you weren't, I think this movie was pretty spot on in doing a satire of it. The way they had Tim Tim Allen play, like, the William Shatner role, where here you have, like, this narcissistic, egotistical captain, and um, it's actually based. Supposedly, William Shatner did hear at one of the conventions, he heard people talking in the men's bathroom about how the cast hated him. Supposedly, there was some truth to that. the rest of the cast was amazing. Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, which, by the way, Alan Rickman was not a sci-fi fan, but he loved the script so much he had to do it, which was actually really cool to find out. Tony Shalhoub and Sam Rockwell, who Sam Rockwell I loved because he played Guy, who was also known as Crewman Number 6, and I loved how they incorporated that, where... Um, Basically, it's like these aliens come over to um, ask the crew to help because they believe that this TV series was real, so they think they're real characters, and it's hysterical how now they're on the spaceship, and the, the spaceship got damaged, and they have to go to this alien planet to go get something to fix it, and Guy is flipping out because he's like, I'm going to die because crewmen always die on these type of... Um, Expeditions, But basically, everything about it, the way it was all turned out, was really well done. Even Justin Long, who plays like an all-time, you know, Trekkie fan of the series, um, it was just hysterical. I can go more into all these examples, but unfortunately, I don't have enough time. So, great job by the crew. You have to see this movie. It's definitely a fun time if you're a Trekkie. All right. Mora wraps up with her argument of Galaxy Quest. And it looks like before we bring it to the judges, Sterling is heading up to the podium and has something to say. Well, I wonder what that is. Spoiler alert. It's green. What? On that note. Color of money! (laughs) Oh my god! I think the Sterling rule needs to be invoked. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Dropping some knowledge bombs that apparently we all needed to know. Sterling letting us know that the color of money is indeed green. Anyway, uh, we bring it to the judges. They are handing the results my way. And the winner of the match heading on to round number two to face off against him with his choice of Planet of the Apes is Mora with her choice of Galaxy Quest. And let's see, Tim is going up to the podium and has a quick question for Noel. Let's hear what he has to say. You need more vodka? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is number five. I'm doing to start right now. So. <laughs> and I worked 
tomorrow, so that should be, should be interesting. Yeah. Oh, we're all going to be in the hospital by the end of the night. Um, anyway. It's, 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 we're, we're all professionals. <laughs> Professional what? Uh, oh, yeah, something. Yeah. Anyway. And Noel is easing the sting of defeat with some vodka. God bless America. All right, we go on to our next matchup. We have Sterling with his choice of American History X facing off against him with his choice of Ghostbusters. Sterling is heading up to the podium right now. Let's hear what he has to say. Two, one, good luck. (laughs) Um, American History X is probably one of the best stories of redemption that I've ever seen. And to see someone like Edward Norton take a very, very difficult role and just escalate it to just an amazing level is so impressive. You follow a guy who kind of takes the path of just the road to hell, essentially, and then walking away from it, um, starting out with little comments from a dad can lead to a terrible, terrible decision, and then it builds up prejudice. And you see Edward Norton's character slowly devolve into a racist skinhead. And then after having the shit kicked out of himself in prison, he realizes that some of the best people in the world are people of color. And then he's seeing how the basis of his actions have an impact on not only himself, but the people around him, the world around him. And it is one of the greatest movies of all time. It has one of the most impactful scenes of all time where he literally curb stomps a guy's head into the ground because of the color of his skin. And it's just terrible. And when you see something like the devolution of an entire culture based around race it is disgusting and it shines a light on it and it creates one of the most impactful memorable movies that impacted me not only as a film buff but as a person and it will make you uncomfortable in the best way Just like that argument. Um, Oh, wow. Sterling wraps up his arguments for American History X, leading us to Tim, who is here to defend Ghostbusters. Tim is heading up to the podium. Let's hear what he has to say. Edward Norton is an asshole. This is this is just commonly known. Um, he's a control freak. Tries to take over everything. He took over control of this film, and it shows because it's a sloppy mess. And you talk about a story about redemption, but who is redeemed, redeemed, and why? It didn't happen because you saw Edward Norton's character supposedly become a good guy again, but then his brother was killed at the end. And what lessons were really learned at the end of the movie? And we also saw Edward Norton naked. Ew. Um, Ghostbusters, on the other hand, the original, a well-written film. Well-written film, um, and I, I love how the realism of the opening uh, parts of the movie help, helps ease the audience into the fantastic elements that happen at the very end. Um, and I think of some of the actors in the movie, too, like uh, Zedmore, uh, Ernie Hudson's character. Um, I, I found a, I know an interesting little tidbit there. When he first got the script, he read it and saw Zedmore had a very meaty part, and he was very excited, and he signed on. 
But then the producers told him that that was a previous draft when the draft was originally meant for one Eddie Murphy, and they cut it down to uh, what we have in the film today. Um, the film was uh, written by Dan Aykroyd. Um, John Belushi was supposed to be in the film. He was going to be uh, play Peter Venkman, but unfortunately he passed away. And we have Bill Murray in one of his greatest performances ever. Um, and it's a movie that just screams New York. It's escapist. It's it's fun. Sigourney Weaver's great in the movie. Rick Moranis is great in the movie. John Candy was supposed to be in that movie uh, with a Rick Moranis role, but ended up bowing out. But I think we got the, we got the better actor of the two uh, in, in that movie, and just in just the special effects, the, the special effects hold up as well today as they did in 1984. All right, we bring it to the judges. What are they going to pick? Are they going to pick American History X from Sterling, or are they going to pick Ghostbusters from Tim? They have wrapped up with their decision. They are sending it my way. And here we go. The winner of the match heading on to round number two is Sterling with American History X. He will end up facing the winner of our next matchup. We have Noel with his choice of MASH facing off against Mora with her choice of Working Girl. Noel is heading up to the podium as we speak. Okay, so we all are familiar with the TV show MASH with um, <laughs> uh, with Alan Alda and Wayne Rogers and that. But the movie that is based on is an incredible film, uh, directed by Robert Altman. Even though the film is set during the Korean War, the film came out in the late 60s, so it really reflected what was going on in Vietnam. But the, the cool thing about the movie is that it, it kind of shows, this is one of the first really war films that, that, that is kind of comedic, but also has a dramatic feel to it because of the series that's happening. So, you know, you have these doctors and nurses and patients really dealing with each other while the fact that you have this war going on. So in terms of just drama and situations, the stuff kind of, you have a lot, a lot of room to negotiate and play with. And uh, you got the good, good cast as well. Donald Sutherland is in it. Um, Elliot Gould, um, Robert Duvall, Sally Kirkman. Uh, else? Uh, Fred Hammer Williamson is in it as well. And uh, Gary Berghoff, who played Radar in the movie, actually played the, the actual character in the TV show as well. People don't really, he's one of the only few actors to do that. But, you know, like, you know MASH really sets, sets the tone for that, because one, one is sparked a TV show. There's never ever a medical show like that that has this comedy and drama, and drama at the same time. So for me, MASH is one of those films that really draws those two things together, where you can have fun laughing, but the seriousness of, of people dying or how, or how um, um, characters deal in a situation where deaths around them, how to survive, whether it's uh, sexual... Was playing pranks, whether it's doing things, drinking, just to to still feel human, still feel real, and it's rare you see films like that that really deal with that. And for me, it's one, it's one of my favorite films. And Robert, and this is also a Robert Altman classic film. So with that famous uh, single cam and characters, Mash, incredible movie. Noel wraps up his arguments about Mash, which brings Mora up to the podium to defend Working Girl. Let's hear what she has to say. Alright, so like MASH, Working Girl was kind of a sign of the times. Um, this came out in the 80s. This was basically, Melanie Griffith plays a secretary, and yes, I say secretary, not executive assistant, because that's how it was at the time. And she's just trying to better herself and move up the ladder and not be just a plain old secretary. She had ambitions, which was awesome, but she was working for guys who were treating her like, you know, like unfortunately with what's going on in today's 
you know, society where, you know, she was being like a sex object, which she wanted to be taken seriously. She finally gets a job working for a female, which is played by Sigourney Weaver's character, and she winds up stealing. She comes to her with an idea, and Sigourney Weaver tries to steal it. Um, the movie is just so played out. Excellence Again, great cast, Harrison Ford. And she meets Harrison Ford because she discovers that the idea is about to be stolen, and she hooks up with Harrison Ford trying to sell her idea. And obviously, a love story blooms on that. Which I love finding out, like, a decade later after watching this movie, that they didn't like each other. <laughs> Harrison Ford did not think Melanie Griffith was actually smart, um, which would explain why right after there's a sex scene, he's whistling if she only had a brain from Wizard of Oz, and you find out because he really didn't think she was that smart, but they were such great actors, you never could have told that he did not care for her. So I always thought that was kind of interesting. Um, Sigourney Weaver plays it. I'm sorry, how long? Oh, I didn't hear. Um, Sigourney Weaver plays the character great, and how much? I, I keep going, keep going. Okay. Um, Melanie Griffin, basically, she was known for this one part where she's saying that she meets Harrison Ford and she's all dressed up at this work meeting and work party, I should say, and he goes. And done. Yeah. I'm sorry, that sucked. I kept hearing something, and I kept thinking that was like my last 10 seconds. That's why I'm like, wait, how much time? Because no, like, I kept hearing you. something, and that's what right. me so off. Get the that boxer slap in there where it's like, cow, cow, cow. <laughs> 10 seconds left. Maura wraps up her arguments for Working Girl, and in the process is showing early signs of Alzheimer's disease. All right, we bring it to the judges. What are they going to choose? Are they going to choose MASH, Noel's Choice, or Working Girl, Maura's Choice? And they have sent the result my way. The winner of the match heading on to round number two to face off against American History X is MASH, Noel's Choice. All right, we are heading to our next matchup. That's Sterling with Goldeneye facing off against him with Blazing Saddles. Sterling's at the podium right now. Let's hear what he has to say. Ooh, shit. Let's get the countdown going. By the time I... Shit, shit. Three, two, one, go. Um, Goldeneye was the first Bond film I ever saw. Uh, uh, featured Pierce Brosnan during the height of the Cold War during what, the 80s, late 80s, and you have Pierce Brosnan with one of just the most, personally, I feel like, iconic Bond personas. Um, he's good-looking, knows his drinks. Um, you have one of the most intense fight scenes between a, uh, a male and female character in this. Uh, the, oh man, I'm burnt out, honestly. <laughs> but, um... I, I can barely remember the movie now. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I am tired. Yeah, oh, man. It, it's good. But it's it's not... It's not Blazing Saddles. I'm gonna be honest. I, I like Bond films. I, no, I'm... I, Blazing Saddles is so fucking good, though. Like... Uh, Thanks for doing my job for me. I'm not trying. I'm personally, I'm more on like, what's the better movie? I'm not going to argue against it. Blazing Saddles is totally better. <laughs> Goldeneye was the like peak of Pierce Brosnan's film career, 
and it just toppled down after that. Yeah. Looking back, I, it just, it, I'm being real, man. Um, after, after this film, he just petered off and then did Mamma Mia and just walked away. But <laughs> it's fun. It's super fun. <laughs> if you like Russian chicks, if you like watching people die, explosions, great film. Great film. Uh, this asshole kind of weasel of a guy, uh, Victor. Yeah, your time's up. <laughs> <laughs> it's been up. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> We're talking movies, not not video games. But yeah, Goldeneye. That game was great. I should have just talked about the video game like the whole time, not even mentioned the movie. It inspired a video game. It inspired a great video game. Alright. When a champion is down, when a champion has the odds stacked against them, they dig deep inside to pull up their inner reserves in order to win that match and move on to future glory. What we just heard, folks, was not an example of that. All right, we head to Tim, who is here to defend Blazing Saddles. Let's hear what he has to say, even though Sterling pretty much did his job for him. All right, Goldeneye, Pierce Brosnan's first Bond film. That film is like a person's first sexual experience. It's memorable, but it's shitty in the execution. Um, Blazing Saddles is the better film of the two. And the reason it's most important, much better than something like American History X, is that it does tackle a very serious topic in racism, but treats it in the way it should be treated. It makes fun of it. It goofs on it. Everybody who is a racist in that film is shown to be an ignorant asshole. And it also does show that some people do change. Like the uh, town that um, Sheriff Bart is uh, uh, told from uh, the governor... uh, Le Pedemain to um, to uh, guard as as the sheriff as as a way to get the townspeople upset so they would move out so the railroad would come in the townspeople eventually uh, to, uh, became to like uh, Sheriff Bart and you know some of the scenes uh, in the movie are just amazing like uh, Gene Wilder as the Waco kid um, so fast uh, of a draw that you know they have a scene where he's uh, has like twelve people in front of him and then he draws but you don't see him move his hands but everybody falls down dead and he's so fast that uh, everybody went down. Um, Alex Karras as Mungo was great. Uh, Richard Pryor was one of the writers on the movie. Um, he was supposed to star in it, but uh, due to insurance concerns over his drug habit, he uh, ultimately uh, was just a writer. Um, he wrote all of the scenes for Mungo. And uh, just my, one of my favorite lines from that uh, um, from that movie is, Mungo, only pawn in Game of Life. You know, just every, just that, it embraces Westerns, it also makes fun of Westerns. It makes fun of, it makes an important, it, it makes an important Sounds statement good. on race, so there's not enough that can be said about it, and fuck old and I. I'm done. Where the white woman at? And we bring it to our judges. What are they going to choose? Are they going to choose Goldeneye, Sterling's Choice, or Blazing Saddles, Tim's Choice? The judges are deliberating amongst themselves. And look at this. We actually have a judge that wants to uh, say a word or two. We got Michael heading up to the podium right now. Let's hear what he has to say. If you would have brought up the video game, it still would have been Blazing Saddles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, man, like, 
shit sinking, I'm just gonna go down with it and just play some shell up. With that, the judges have spoken. Advancing on to round number two is Tim with his choice of Blazing Saddles. Next up, we have Noel with his choice of Goodfellas, facing off against Mora with her choice of Flash Gordon. Wow. Goodfellas is probably considered Scorsese's greatest film, most well-known film. I, I can't, I, I mean, really Oda, I mean, pretty much killed it. Rob De Niro, Joe Pesci giving the lines, that scene in the diner, pretty much sets it up. Based on a true story about Henry Hill, and uh, it, it, it kind of, you know, kind of goes from there. It's, it's just, I mean, just just how um, Henry gets started and, and he gets involved in the mob situation. And he talks about idolizing. It's incredible. The scene that I think is kind of cool is that one steady camera shot where Henry and his girl Cameron are going to the Copa, all one take. That shot's been copied numerous times. That's you know, sets us crazy up. But just the way the film moves, you know, in most films you have three acts. In this film you have three acts where you have uh, young Henry, Henry grows up, gets married, and then Henry truly in his coke-induced uh, uh, paranoia towards the end of the movie. You, I mean, an incredible. You also got, you know, when you got actors like, like um, De Niro and Pesci, you know, you can't go wrong. Paul Savino's in it. Lorraine Bracco, can't forget about her. It, you know, it, it, with with the Goodfellas, you know, it, it it's a classic film. It's, it's it's like up there with Godfather. It's one of those movies that everyone has seen or everyone needs to see. It's it's like a must in any library collection. It's like you know the most one of Scorsese's most you know, you know quoted films. Uh, you know, Pesci won for uh, best supporting actor for that movie. You just have just you know just the way it goes together with the music and the editing and camera work and and the feeling and vibing of, of, of that film. It really, really, really comes together. It's one of those films that comes on TV. You just can't stop watching it and put it on. Or it's a lot of times, like I said before, a lot of folks are always That's quoting right. lines from that movie. It's just one. It's, it's an incredible film. Probably Scorsese's best. Next to uh, Gigs of New York, what's up there? Good, cannot go wrong, good fellas. Cannot go wrong. Noel wraps up with his argument for Goodfellas. Now Mora is heading up to the podium. Let's hear what she has to say about Flash Gordon. All right, so Flash Gordon, for anybody who doesn't know, was basically um, has a soundtrack that is beyond amazing, done by Queen. So if anybody is a Queen fan, you'll definitely love this movie. I read the comic strip. Um, It was in the newspapers as a child. So it basically comes down to where Flash is a football player, his girlfriend Dale is a reporter, they wind up getting to the planet Mongo, which is ruled by Ming the Merciless, and they have to save the planet Earth. The movie basically has it where they get um, kidnapped by the professor, by the scientists who kind of foresee this was going to happen, but basically the costumes the plot it's it's such a fun journey the costumes were amazing it's like hell i wanted to wear one of them it was it was just so cool the um this movie was so well done that seth mcfarlane created the movie ted if anybody's seen that that was actually i believe nolan uh, my first movie that we went to see Mm -hmm. and it was basically an homage to the movie flash gordon which we absolutely loved it was just great they had um young timothy dalton who if you remember him he briefly played james bond and he was awesome in it he played aura's um aura was ming's daughter 
who was very ruthless, beautiful and ruthless. It was a very cool combo and also a fun person to see and play out. The, yes, I know. <laughs> um, sorry, Noel's pointing to the time, I know. It's, the, the scenery was great. It did win awards and it's something that it's just fun. It was just a fun thing to see. And as a kid, I absolutely loved it, which I just kept watching over and over and over and over again. And Maura wraps up her argument for Flash Gordon, which leaves it to the judges. Who are they going to pick? Are they going to pick Goodfellas, Noel's Choice, or Flash Gordon, Maura's Choice? The judges have reached a decision. They are handing it my way. And the winner of the match heading on to round number two to face off against Blazing Saddles is Noel with Goodfellas. All right, our next matchup, we have Sterling set to defend his choice of higher learning, facing off against him with his choice of Enter the Dragon. Sterling is heading up to the podium as we speak. Let's hear what he has to say. Oof. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Are you, are you, we're talking about like one of the best pieces of cinema history. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's count Three, two, one, go. Um, higher learning was probably the coolest introduction to college to me in general. Um, but you have a cast of jo- uh, Jennifer Connelly, Ice Cube, Omar Epps, Christy Swanson, Michael Rappaport, Tyra Banks, Lawrence Fishburne. You're just going to fucking win. Uh, you follow essentially three people throughout the introduction to college who are just wide-eyed and excited to be there, and then they find out that life is full of disappointment, uh, excitement, uh, racism, sexism. It's insane. You have a character who falls into a group of neo-Nazis because he feels like it doesn't belong. You have another character who starts off as a college athlete, loses his scholarship, and then kind of finds himself and then finds a girl that he really likes, and then she ends up getting fucking killed at a school shooting, which couldn't even be more appropriate right now. And then you have another character who is not only... Um, raped, but she's um, taken advantage of, and um, especially with college, like, what, 40% of women in college are either raped or uh, put in situations where they don't even belong because of the people around them. And then to wrap it all up with the school shooting. It's an amazing movie. It's it's brilliantly done, brilliantly written, and it is a staple of 90s culture. Fuck you, Tim. Eat shit. I know. I know. Fuck you, Tim. Eat shit. And Sterling wraps up his argument for higher learning with some harsh words for Tim. Also, his legions of fans are hanging out outside of the stadium as we speak, revving up lawnmowers in support for Sterling. Will that be enough? As Tim heads up to the podium to defend Enter the Dragon, let's find out. 
How could you not like a movie like Higher Learning with the way it's been sold here? I mean, gosh, ladies, let's watch a movie where there's lots of rape going on and there's lots of killing at the end. Yay! Fuck that movie. Um, I had to look up what Higher Learning was before this came about. Who, what the fuck is Higher Learning compared to a movie like Enter the Dragon? Bruce Lee's last movie time inspiration for action movies that came after it. I mean, one of my favorite movies of the uh, past five years, John Wick 2. The the final scene in the in the Hall of Mirrors is, is a definite ripoff from uh, the final battle uh, between uh, Bruce Lee and the main villain of Enter the Dragon. Um, just a fight scene. And, and one thing about Enter the Dragon, that was actually the very first movie that a young Jackie Chan starred in. He was a guard in, uh, in, in the lair and had no speaking line but Bruce Lee whipped his ass. And that movie also, Enter the Dragon, when it comes to Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan realized that there was nobody that was ever going to topple what Bruce Lee ever did. So Jackie Chan, because of his experience on Enter the Dragon, made sure that his films going forward would be absolutely different in tone each and every single time. And, you know, Jackie Chan is an amazing martial artist, uh, actor in his own right, and his, and his filmography speaks for itself, but it, it's directly because of his work on Enter the Dragon, um, you know, and, and, and something as simple as the sound effects. You know, in other action, in, in other martial arts films, the sound effects when people are being hit, it doesn't, it sounds like a hit, but it just, it's just kind of weak. Whereas with Enter the Dragon, they actually use hardcore, like, thick bullwhips, just whack, crack, crack. It, it sounds brutal. It's an amazing film, and it is much, much better than Higher Learning ever will hope to be. Done. The fact that you never saw Higher Learning was ten pegs falling. That's great. How have you not seen that film? Because I like good movies. It's a great movie. All right, Tim wraps up his arguments for Enter the Dragon, which leaves it in the judges' hands. Are they going to choose Higher Learning, Sterling's Choice, or Enter the Dragon, Tim's Choice? And hold up, we actually have Sterling heading heading to the podium right now. Looks like he has something he wants to say before we get our result. You sounded more excited about Jackie Chan. (laughs) (laughs) I found out is an amazing singer-songwriter. All right, it is up to the judges. They have come up with the result, and they are handing it my way. And, all right, the winner of the match, heading on to round number two, is Enter the Dragon, Tim's Choice. All right, we are heading to the last matchup of round number one. We have Noel with his choice of Where Eagles Dare, facing off against Mora with her choice of Hot Fuzz. And look at this. Sterling is actually heading up to the podium. He has a quick comment he ha- he wants to say before uh, we wrap up round number one. Let's hear him. Oh, my movies got more and more depressing. <laughs> 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 and then all of them is just like store hardcore war stories. <laughs> like, shit. You really were an emo as a kid, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it got real, man. <laughs> it got real. All right, uh, three, two, one, go. Go. Okay, so with Eagles Dare is an old 60s action movie. There's a guy named Richard Burton. You may look him up, but he this was probably, this was his only really action film. 
and a young Clint Eastwood actually in this film. So the film basically takes place during the uh, World War II. A bunch of British soldiers are flown, are, are dropped into this uh, slush Adler, um, uh, this uh, kind of castle in the mountains, and they got to figure they have to rescue this uh, U.S. general that got shot down. Although that seems to be the part of the plan, as the film goes forward, there's actually a little twist. They're actually there to uncover these double agents that, that are residing in, in England. But what's really cool about the movie is the action is cool, is great. The tension is nice. The film moves. But what's really, really, really cool about it is the location. There are shots where they actually there where you'll see there's some shots in the movie where uh, there's a cable car that, that exists between where the uh, Nazi palace is or this stronghold in the mountains. And there's a famous scene where um, Richard Burton's fighting these two dudes in this cable car. So that's kind of cool how that gets shot. But it's so nice to see like the, when, when you see it like the first time, I caught it, it just blew, blew me away. This really kind of like, uh, you know, a spy espionage film during this time. You had Clint Eastwood was kind of upcoming actor. Richard Burton was, towards the twilight of his career, really couldn't get many things going. So this action film really set it in motion. And then it, it ties up. It's, it's, a, it's an all-British film. Most of the majority of the actors in the film are British. Clint Eastwood was the only American. And Eastwood actually took a pay cut to make, to, to make this movie. But for me, it just is... It, it has a special place in my heart. I saw, my first film was I saw with my dad. And it's just one of those really cool World War II movies. So Eagles Dare, I caught on TCM and catch it. Really, really incredible film. One, one, one of a, a definitely classic uh, action film. All right, Noel wraps up with his arguments for the movie Where Eagles Dare. And as you heard, Sterling's legion of fans outside of the stadium are revving up their lawnmowers in protest for his loss of higher learning in the previous matchup. His crowd loves him. Anyway, we are going to our last participant in round one. Mora is heading up to the podium to defend Hot Fuzz. Let's hear what she has to say. All right, Hot Fuzz. Basically, it's a Simon Pegg movie, which if anybody's a Simon Pegg fan, um, that's all I need to say, but I'm going to say more. So Simon Pegg um, plays this highly skilled, highly efficient police officer in London who gets transferred to this small little town. He's basically pushed out (laughs) to go there because he's so highly efficient that he's making the rest of the police squad look awful. So he gets transfer this to this tiny nowhere small town where small accidents are happening and no one in the small town including the police officers are looking at it like it's murder or anything and it kind of drives him a little nuts because he sees something that's going on and what i loved about the way they played this out is that you think why the murders are happening and it's really not why it's happening which i love their take on it which was really great plus the fact like they do their little spoofs on all um cop movies and they even like bring up so he's partnered with nick frost who is like this bumbling type of police officer but he's like completely in awe of simon Pegg's character and he wants to be like him and he they bring up point break <laughs> like he wants to be like keanu reeves so it's just really well done as well as one of the villains or you're not sure if he's a villain played by timothy dalton so again another great actor in the movie um it's 
something um, for Simon Pegg fans, totally enjoyable. So if you love Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz is definitely up there as well. And I think, what, 10 seconds left? 10 seconds. Okay. And... Are you guys timing it to you? I don't know. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> And Mora wraps up her choice of hot fuzz. We are bringing it to the judges. What are they going to choose? Will it be Where Eagles Dare or Hot Fuzz? And we have a result. They are sending it my way. And the winner of the match heading on to round number two to face off against Tim's choice of Enter the Dragon is Mora with Hot Fuzz. Next week, round two action begins. The matchups you will see are Mora with her choice of Blazing Saddles facing off against Noel with his choice of Malcolm X. We have Mora with her choice of Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory facing off against Noel with his choice of The Godfather. We have Mora with her choice of Trading Places facing off against him with his choice of Die Hard. We have Sterling with his choice of Pulp Fiction facing off against Noel with his choice of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We have Noel with his choice of Bullet facing off against Tim with his choice of Goldfinger. We have Noel with his choice of The Empire Strikes Back facing off against Mora with her choice of Star Wars Episode 4 A New Hope. We have Noel with his choice of The French Connection facing off against Tim with his choice of Kill Bill Volume 1. And finally, we have Sterling with his choice of Leon the Professional facing off against Mora with her choice of Dead Alive. Remember to subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support us via Patreon. We would love it if you were able to uh, send us a few bucks every month. Um, The more uh, support we have via Patreon, the more we can actually do with the podcast. So if you do like what you hear, please definitely consider it. We would uh, definitely appreciate it. Also, head to friendstalkingnerdy.com where you can hear the entire back catalog of our episodes going all the way to episode number one, which has almost been a year ago. Imagine that. And last but not least, remember to uh, every Wednesday, when if you utilize social media, use the hashtag NerdWareWed so you can participate in NerdWare Wednesday, our little social media campaign to uh, hopefully bring some attention to our show and website. So every week, every Wednesday, dress up in something nerdy, have a nerdy pin, have something nerdy, cosplay, do whatever you think is nerdy, take a picture, and use the hashtag NerdWearWed. And remember, the person who has the most unique outfit, the most unique picture that they post up, will be inducted into the prestigious Friends Talking Nerdy NerdWear Wednesday Hall of Fame. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Thank you for uh, listening through uh, round one. Next week, once again, uh, starts round two of action. We will see you next week. Your friend.